Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Thanksgiving Sunday service. My name is Nayaswami Krishnadas. This is Nayaswami Mantra Devi, and we're happy to be doing this service with you. We'd like to welcome all those that are viewing online as well, and those that are here uh, are guests for the Thanksgiving weekend retreat. So I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light, weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading, The Law of Karma, Bondage or Soul Release. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians contains this oft-quoted statement. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda tells a story from the life of the Benares saint, Trilanga Swami. A skeptic once determined to expose Trilanga as a charlatan. A large bucket of calcium lime mixture used in whitewashing walls was placed before the Swami. Master, the materialist said in mock reverence, I have brought you some clabbered milk. Please drink it. Trilonga unhesitatingly drained to the last drop the container full of burning lime. In a few minutes, the evildoer fell to the ground in agony. Help, Swami, help, he cried. I am on fire. Forgive my wicked test. The great yogi broke his habitual silence. Scoffer, he said, you did not realize when you offered me poison that my life is one with your own. Except for my knowledge that God is present in my stomach, as in every atom of creation, the lime would have killed me. Now that you know the divine meaning of boomerang, never again play tricks on anyone. The well-purged sinner, healed by Trilonga's words, slunk feebly away. Yogananda goes on to say, the reversal of pain was not due to any volition of the master, but came about through the unerring application of the law of justice, which upholds creation's farthest swinging orb. Men of God realization like Trilonga allow the divine law to operate instantaneously. They have banished forever all thwarting cross currents of ego. Not by reason alone, but by self-realization are the ins and outs of destiny fully understood. Their web, though tied forever to the post of ego motivation, is too intricate to be perceived as a single thread. Only great masters can see it with clarity. It is visible to them in all its workings, 
not from within the tangle, but from above in superconsciousness. As Sri Krishna said in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he who beholds inaction in action and action in inaction is wise among men. He is one with the spirit. He has attained the true goal of action, perfect freedom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here with you. I want to start by reading from Whispers from Eternity, this beautiful heartfelt poem from Paramahansa Yogananda. Perching in the trees of many lives, I sang thy songs. I, the nightingale of heaven, perched on the boughs of many lives, singing thy songs. My clear song reverberates over soul leaves that flutter with thy life. It thrills the night air in the private gardens of centuries where many sleep, dreaming sweet fantasies or, again, nightmares of delusion. It wakens some of them with soft touches of thy reverberating cosmic song. I fly everywhere and give concerts to express thy joy in bowers of receptive hearts. Oh, I will come again and again to lure all souls with my songs and to teach them thy songs and invite them all to fly like me in thy skies of cosmic freedom. I just spent a month in India. Three weeks of that time, we were leading a pilgrimage to holy spots in the footsteps of the masters, it's called. And we went to many holy spots and many deep places. India is such a deep spiritual country. And it's very interesting. So many facets of it that are interesting. One thing is, is that India, uh, English is the common language that people communicate in but it's not the Indian's first language. So they sometimes put things very interestingly, like a sign that I saw, it said, this section for seniors and the differently disabled. <laughs> and, um, or for instead of a detour, they say, take diversion. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking diversions all the time. <laughs> but um, two weeks ago, Devarshi talked about free will, and that was the subject. And he mentioned how Yogananda said that we don't really have much free will. And Swami was saying one time how you, even the choice to wear the color of tie that you're wearing that day is not your own free will. That it's all a culmination of all that's come up to that moment. So that was the subject that day. 
And then we'll take it from there and we'll take it on and keep going with that thought. Because to be left with the thought of no free will whatsoever is a little bit um, hope, hopeless. You think, well, if I have no free will, what can I do? But the free will that we have, Yogananda said, is to choose the light or the dark, to choose God or not choose God, to go toward it or go away from it. And the free will that we do have, there's a lot of free will, actually, because we have the free will to choose our thoughts, to choose our actions, choose our reactions, to choose our hopes and our dreams and our goals. We have that free will. And we have the free will also to go beyond our old patterns, the set patterns that have been the culmination of, of centuries of creating these patterns. And we have the ability to go beyond that and to choose to tune into the higher guidance from above, to tune into God's guidance. Because everything that we've done has created a pattern. Every time you have a thought, it creates a pattern. Every time you do an action, it creates a pattern. And we are constantly reinforcing these, or we're making new ones. And that's where our free will comes in. The free will comes in in making those choices. Yogananda said that to understand karma, you have to realize that thoughts are things. And this, this world is made of matter, and matter is made of energy, energy from consciousness. And so really, consciousness is the bulk of what makes up this universe. And um, thoughts that are thought are thought with consciousness. So every time you have a thought, it's got that consciousness behind it of some sort, whether positive, whether negative. And so that goes through energy and affects matter. And Yogananda said, you don't know how much your thoughts affect matter. And that's because that isn't really the reality of things, that solid thing that we have here, this, this stand, our bodies, everything. It's really the more reality is in consciousness. And even that's a dream. So we're always making a choice. We're always choosing in this moment. And that's how you can change your destiny, is that you choose from this moment on, the choice you make will affect the future. Okay, we all kind of know that. We, we've heard this before. We, we know, okay, my thoughts affect it. But when you really look at your thoughts and you really know that, okay, whatever you're choosing, is going to affect your future. And we keep trying to choose the same things and make them work differently, right? It's like, okay, if I do this again, maybe it'll work this time. Or if I um, think this differently, then, but I'm not really going to change what I'm doing, then maybe it'll be different. But over and over we do this, we're, we're always, making that choice, and we're always trying to figure out, okay, why isn't this working? <clears throat> and really, to make your choices and to change your life, you need to look more closely at the patterns, the patterns that have been created. Look at the symbols in your life. 
Because coming down from that consciousness is spirit trying to communicate with us. Our spirits are always, our souls, let's say, are always communicating with us. They're always guiding us. God's always guiding us. We're not always listening. And we're going ahead, you know, just dog-minded that, okay, I'm going to go in this, I'm going to keep making the same choices, and I'll make the automatic choices. That's what we often do, right? Instead of making a conscious choice, I'm going to go with the habit that I've always done. It's much more comfortable, much more comfortable than to change and to look at things in a different way and to actually own them. And so as we we look at the symbols in our life and the patterns, you know, there's the different levels that creation has made us. Spirit, and then there's the mental level, and the emotional level, and the physical level. And so spirit is always trying to communicate with us. And if we catch it on the spirit level, spiritual level, then we can maybe change whatever needs to have happen in our lives. If that doesn't work, then it goes to the mental level. And maybe there's a thought that comes in our mind. Oh, and we notice something. And I really should change that. But nothing much happens. And so then it will go to the emotional level. And you'll have an emotional reaction. Now that's telling you something. And I just had this emotional reaction again. And it's the same thing, the same way that I reacted last time when this happened. Okay, now we've noticed on the mental level and the emotional level. But then, if we don't again act on that, then it'll go to the physical level. And that's when we'll get some kind of a malady. And it will keep coming up until finally we get it. And we say, ah, I get what it is. Now, just recently I had a healing. It was, it was something that I had been carrying with me. I realized an attitude all my life, and this little annoying malady would keep coming up. And, you know, over the years, I'd try to figure out what it was and try to, you know, cure it and do all these things, and, and it would keep coming up. And, and finally, and this was just recently, I looked at it again and came up again, and I, I just, I got to do something. And I really looked at what is the source of this, and I owned it. This time I owned it. Many other times I would say, oh, yeah, I knew what it was, but no, that's not really me. Be, really be careful when, when you, um, somebody says something and you say, no, that's not really me. Because guess what? <laughs> it almost always is. And um, so it's, it's like, okay, finally I got it. I got what it is. So I grabbed the nearest healing modality, which happened to be Lakshmi with her homeopathy, and um, she, gave, she nailed it right in the head, right away, gave me a homeopathic remedy, and I just felt it lift. I felt, it, I felt myself let go of it. And, well, time will tell if it, if it is permanent, but it felt like it. I felt a change. And the funny thing is, is I've tried homeopathy before and it didn't work. And she's looked for remedies and it didn't work. You know, nothing worked over the years. And then finally, it's like I was ready, and it worked. And the healing modality often doesn't really matter that much. It might have been Reiki, it might have been, you know, something else, drugs from the drugstore. I mean, it could, could have been anything. 
Because when you're ready to make that change, then it's going to happen. So as we look at ourselves more closely and we really tune into where are our reactions, where are our thoughts, and then take it deeper and give it to God. And that's, that's our free will too. It's like we can tune into that higher guidance. We can tune into what God is trying to show us. We can tune into being a channel for that inspiration. And that whenever you tune into that, you're finding yourself, okay, getting separated from the ego into spirit. Because that's what the ego is. It's the separation from spirit. And so that's when karma affects us, is when we're in the ego. When we're not in the ego state, karma not, will not affect us. So if you are like a saint identified with God, then the karma will not uh, reach you, it will not affect you. You will not have to reap the benefits of it. And in fact, like with an avatar or with any great saint, the actions that they do just flows through them and goes out and blesses all of mankind. You know, India is, is such a, a, as I said, deeply spiritual country. And going there is like a refreshing bath to the spirit because they just have a way of life of being devotional and worshiping God in so many forms, of course, in all the different Ganesha and Lakshmi and Durga and, and Krishna and Shiva and all, all these different forms. And, and everyone is so comfortable just expressing it. In fact, um, I was seeing on the road one day, there was a tractor lumbering down the road. And it had garlands of red flowers on the tractor. And, you know, it was like, it was like the tractor guy, you know. He was, it's, just felt totally comfortable expressing his devotion that way. I was thinking, wouldn't it be lovely for Ananta and Prakash to decorate their tractors and heavy equipment with flowers? And, and you know, it's, in this country, it's sort of not, not a, a man's thing to do. But as devotees, we're neither men nor women, and that showing that devotion is just so touching. And you see it everywhere. It's just a natural state of life. And <clears throat> miracles happen all the time. And that was the wonderful thing about being on pilgrimage and going to all these different holy spots, because we're tuning more deeply into that sense of spirit. And we're tuning into the masters and the saints. And they're showing us in many little ways that they're there. And many pilgrims had experiences that uh, showed them that the, the masters <coughs> and God are right with us on this trip, personally with us. When we were at the Taj Mahal, one pilgrim had claustrophobia within crowds of people. We happened to be there on the second crowdedest day of the year. There were 60,000 people there. And someone said, well, there's one other day when it's more crowded, there's 100,000 people. But 60,000 people at the Taj Mahal, it was, it was jam-packed. And luckily, we had a guide that took us in a little bit of a different way. We didn't have to wait in the really long line. But we had to squeeze through this doorway, and everyone's just jamming and getting in the through the doorway. And there's not room, but 
finally everybody gets in, you know, and there's this long line going in, and then inside they just um, toured us around real fast, you know, just channeled everybody in the circle. And Ron said that he sent up a prayer on behalf of this woman because she was feeling very claustrophobic. And he said when we were inside, suddenly the guards stopped any more people from coming in. And we had this big space. And it wasn't until later, you know, when he said this, that I went, yeah, we had this big space all of a sudden. There were people in there. And we could look at things and be in there for a few minutes. And, and then when we went out, we had no problem getting out. Whereas before I'd noticed people getting out were <coughs> squeezing out the same way we squeezed in. So um, there's just a little prayer there. Or Carol in Babaji's cave. Uh, Babaji's cave was wonderful to walk up to because all the whole time I'm thinking, this is the path that Lahiri took to Babaji's cave. You know, the same way. And here we are out in the woods and it's, it's, it's very remote. It's a long walk and it's up uh, a, quite a steep hill. And she was in the cave meditating and she heard her favorite chant, Thou art my life. And later she asked me, and she said, were you chanting down below? Because there was a place down below where people were waiting their turn to go and meditate. And I said, no, we weren't, medit or we weren't chanting. She said, she heard that chant. Someone else said she felt eyes watching, you know, like, like protective eyes up there. And, and an, another, um, when we were in Dakshineswar, and Dakshineswar, was, is the temple where Ramakrishna lived for a long time and Yogananda went and worshipped there and the Kali statue came alive for them, both of them. And so the Kali statue, there's again hordes of people and, and it's not uh, easy to really see her for very long because you, you're channeled through, give your flowers and your donation and then, you know, get moving and there's guards there. I don't know whether we really call them guards. They sort of look like guards. I guess they're ushers, but, you know, it's sort of like they act like guards. And, and um, so one pilgrim went up, and for some reason she got to pause there. And for the guards didn't push her out of the way. And she said it looked like Kali was coming towards her. And she just soaked it up, you know. She just, just was able to take that moment. And this time when I went up, I was with uh, three Indian pilgrims. We had uh, some of the legs of the trip. We had Indian members from uh, India come with us. And, um, and because I was with them, and the three of us kind of stood there, and I was determined I was going to see Kali this time and really see her. And so I had my donation and my, my flowers in my hand, and I was just, I wasn't going to even look at the pujari, you know, I was just going to look at Kali, give him my donation that, and just look. And I got a chance to stand there again for a while, because then the, one of the Indian women, she had this whole bag of things, the flowers, and it just took a long time for the pujari to process it all. So we were standing there, and the guards, for some reason, didn't push us out of the way. But, you know, Kali doesn't come always through that form, of course. Divine Mother comes through all forms. And um, God comes through all forms and comes through different people. Because I had the sweetest experience of Divine Mother after. 
We were leaving the temple, and we had left our shoes in one of the flower stalls on the way in. And so I was one of the last ones out, and kind of bringing up the rear. And I、um, got my shoes in the flower stall, and then I was coming out, and there was a couple with a little baby there. And I looked up, and there was the baby right there. And I just involuntarily said, "Oh, she's beautiful. She's just beautiful." And I could see they didn't understand what I was saying. They didn't probably didn't speak English. And then I looked and started going out, and there was a woman right outside the flower stall, and she was looking at me with so much love, like just just incredible amount of love. And and I thought I've seen those eyes before, and I. Um, we just looked at each other for a long time, and I've seen those eyes, just you know, in saints and different people. And then, as I was walking down the hallway, I looked back, and she was still looking at me. And I just felt like that was Divine Mother. That was Divine Mother coming through this person, who had been her channel, whoever the woman was. And so, all these experiences that we have in In India, because we're more open and receptive, I think. You know, one woman who was having trouble reconciling different、uh, religious teachings and spiritual teachings, and she wasn't on this path, and it was getting confusing for her. Things <coughs> she had read, and Yogananda came to her in a dream, and did a whole healing. She said, "A whole healing from my feet up to my head," and. You know, because she needed, and lots of us who are, you know, devotees for a long time go, well, gee, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> We don't get visions of Yogananda, and <clears throat> yet it's those who need it are the ones that that receive it. And、uh, so, you know, many many times in in when we were there, we would hear stories of different things. When we were in Puri, and the、um, There was a monk who was meditating, and Babaji came to there. You know, so they're more open to that. And and the when after the trip, Krishna and us and I went to Vrindavan, and there is the home of Krishna. And in one temple, the prasad they leave every night and lock the temple. It's gone in the morning. In another temple, they cook his food. They do all these rituals, and they cook his food. And but they never light a fire because every day spontaneously a fire lights in the kitchen, and so being open to that, you know, being open to the the energy of divine mother can come in any form, master can come to us in any form, and opening ourselves up for that, and having the the watching what our karma. We call it karma. It's action and reaction, and seeing what the effects of that are in this moment. Okay, is it causing me pain? When we put energy into the negative, the result is pain. As Yogananda put it, when you sow what you sow, you shall reap, and that if you sow evil, you will reap great suffering. And he says evil. That means negativity. That means. Um, being well, we all know basically what it is. <laughs> and、um, if you sow goodness, then you will reap inner communion and inner joy. 
So, you know, offering ourselves up more as a channel in that way is the way that we're going to find God and get away from the egoness of it. Because when we're in the ego, the karma is going to affect us. We're going to be in that action and reaction stage. But by watching ourselves more carefully and choosing, realize in every single moment you're choosing what your future is going to be. Sri Yukteswar said, everything in future will improve if you make the right spiritual effort now. And as we make that spiritual effort, the future will change. And I wanted to read something that <coughs> Yogananda said on gratitude. Thanksgiving and praise open in your consciousness the way for spiritual growth and supply to come to you. Spirit pushes itself out into visible manifestation as soon as a channel is open through which it can flow. You should be thankful for everything at all times. Realize that all power to think and speak and act comes from God, and that he is with you now, guiding and inspiring you. I think the, the uh, key phrase here, spirit pushes itself out into visible manifestation as soon as a channel is opened through which it can flow. That says a lot, because as soon as we're a little bit open, then spirit will push itself out through us because we're the hands and feet. And so if you're thinking negative thoughts, spirit will push itself out that way. If you're thinking positive thoughts, it will push itself out that way. Yogananda said, each act of being happy will help you cultivate the habit of always being happy. Pay no attention if your mind tells you you can never be happy, but remember to start being happy now and every moment say, I am happy now. So we can change 